Hey, fam. Stacy Matulis is on the podcast today and full transparency. I didn't want this one to end. It was so nourishing. And um, Stacy's kind of like a like a really delicious drug. <laughs> You're like, ooh, you feel so nice just to be in your energy is such a yes. Stacy is a shamanic practitioner, a healing artist. She works with people somatically to get them to a place of well-being. She's the founder of Alchemy Somatics. She's really the real deal. And she lays it down so clearly for us in this episode. We talk about managing and regulating our nervous system in this tremendously uncertain time. We touch on our unique expression and how to really access that and how to lean into our emotions even when there's resistance at hand. So we're just so grateful that you're here. Thank you for tuning in. Um, and, and if you feel called, please share this episode, share it online, share it with someone who needs it. Now, without further ado, let's tune into today's episode with Stacey Matulis. Okay. So Stacey, we've discovered that, and by the way, I'm playing with like full slime because I now have like two honorary stepchildren. And so we just have slime everywhere. Um, that's not just your stress ball. It's not a stress ball. It just happened. There's so much around me right now. I, I don't even know what to do. So it's just here. Um, we well, now tell from what we see. Yeah, yeah. I'll just keep it down. Yeah. Um, we've now discovered that you and I both did our undergraduate in like performing arts. I was a musical theater major. You were a musical theater major turn opera extraordinaire. And then opera, acting and vocal music. Yeah. No big deal. Um, And then you went to Antioch for depth psychology. I'm currently in the program, general studies, but probably headed toward depth psychology. And we're we're both Scorpios. So what the actual fuck? I know. (laughs) like why isn't this a sleepover yeah why like can we please like pop some champagne and chill like what are we doing <laughs> like what the fuck well long last here we yeah. are praise be man how are you I know that you just came off of doing this incredible training I'd love to hear a little bit about it because it'll also let everyone know what you do yeah Yeah. um, Yes, I just came off of doing both the self-healing program intensive and then two weeks later, the healer training intensive. Uh, And both of those are somatic embodiment programs, one for people who are looking to support themselves into feeling better and connecting with their energy and connecting with their life force and their vision. Um, It's also trauma-informed. So Uh, It gives so many somatic tools and shamanic tools and yogic tools and holds you in practices to be able to take the energy in your body that is dysregulated or um, running at depression or anxiety and move it through in a good way. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then the healer training is where I get to train people to do this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so the last one was the healer training. So So good. good. So, So, so good. Um, thank you for what you do. Cause it's really important, especially right now. Um, it just, it, it's like, it's really hard to be, um, present for what's happening in the world and like witnessing it online and witnessing it, you know, it's all over, um, just with what's going on in the middle East. And it just during this polarized time, like, how do we 
start to heal at least ourselves with this dysregulation that's like rampant? Yeah. Um, well, I think the first step is actually getting present with it. Uh, and for each person, our relationship with it is different. Uh, so it takes a genuine relationship with the way it exists in your body, the way that it exists in your life, which also has to do with the way that it exists with your epigenetics or your transgenerational lineage. So there's this cultural piece. And so it's going to be different for each of us. And uh, if, if we deny that reality, it's hard to get in relationship with the energy in a good way. Mm. Uh, so th that first step is a turning in and being willing to feel it being willing to feel the way it, it exists in you. And, um, you know, what I've done since uh, what happened in Israel and Palestine is I got on the phone. I, I don't have Israeli blood. I don't have Palestinian blood. That's not in my lineage. Uh, but I got on the phone with a lot of my friends who are, because I really wanted to understand. I wanted to understand more deeply. I wanted to understand what it felt like for them. I asked them to help me understand the history more. And um, what I was getting to understand is the way that this has been going on for so long. And people with an Israeli lineage or a Palestinian lineage, they have it in their tissue. They have it in their nervous system they've had the repetition of these events and it shows up in a way that in popular culture we call it ptsd and it's so important to presence this because our nervous systems very much puppet us to believe that what has happened will happen again and that is natural our our body does that for survival and it takes actually a great amount of presence and a great amount of strength to be able to turn towards our bodies and to work with what has happened this lifetime and past lifetimes that's passed down actually in the genealogy and move it through our system in a good way so that we can be relating in present time mm -hmm. and making choices and decisions from the present time and hopefully and you know my invitation around this is i've learned in my own personal healing what i have to do as stacy matulis who was born in gurney illinois and um, found her way out to california and the journey that i've taken i have to turn towards my body and i have to turn my attention and awareness towards the emotions and sensations and energies that are in my body that weren't able to move through well in the first place. So things that were scary or energies in me that maybe weren't culturally taught as okay. You know, for me, uh, for example, I was raised in a Catholic church and I really value that. I really value Catholicism while in my church, we were taught that 
it was a sin to have a relationship with God in your body, that the priest could have a relationship with God, and you would go to the priest for that relationship. And so as a child, I had a very strong relationship with spirit in my body. And that had me believe that I was sinning. And that had me believe I was a sinner. And I, I actually deeply remember the terror of that. And so I learned to dissociate from that. I learned to dissociate from the relationship with life force and spirit in my body based on the conditioning I was handed. So um, through the work that I've, I've done as a human and through the work that this is the work that I share on the planet is how to turn towards it, bring yourself understanding and welcome the fear, the feeling of outcast, the feeling of evil. And then underneath that was a feeling, a sensation of connection with something bigger than me that was alive in my body. And I had to go like on archeological digs to um, move through the fear and the pain and then the actual energy that is that to reclaim that part of myself. And as that happened, what it did was cultivate in me a compassion and an understanding, an understanding of outsider, an understanding of not allowed. And as I processed through that pain, um, that self-rejection and got that connection back online, with that compassion came inspiration to do something about it, inspiration to support people mm. in a similar way. And so this is a long way to answer, like, how do we, how do we exist at this time? People who have uh, some of this in their lineage, right? It's natural that the body holds atrocity in place, terror, unimaginable, impossible, impossible situations. The nervous system freezes that in place and then it's there in the body and that's what creates the PTSD. And the PTSD tells you it happened then and it will happen again. Yeah. What we can do is leverage the technology, which is um, a body-based technology. It's a somatic technology to mm. welcome those sensations through in a good way. Mm. And as it does, we grieve. We might grieve for this lifetime. We might grieve for many generations. Mm. Cultivate okay. compassion. And this is not to say that people don't already have compassion, but it cultivates more. And with that cultivation of compassion, what I find is it actually brings us into present time and brings with it present time solutions mm -hmm. that can't uh, come in consciousness until we've actually allowed ourselves to fully touch these feelings and move them through our body. Mm -hmm. So it's this beautiful place where psychology and science and shamanism and somatics meet in order to hopefully be able to find solutions that haven't been found before. So it doesn't have to prove the PT, PTSD correct, that mm. it happened that way and it will again, that we could actually be a culture that could bring in some present time solutions that are different than the way we responded in the past. Beautiful. Thank you for that. Yeah, I was in class the other day and we were having a discussion about um, 
what was happening in the Middle East. And um, there was a student in class who was Jewish. And he kept talking about the level of unsafety that he was feeling. And the teacher, who is a therapist, actively practicing, um, her name is Dr. AJ, Dr. Avan Johnson. She's magnificent. She's a sex therapist. And she teaches a class called Society and the Individual, which is kind of like, for those of you who are not at Antioch, um, it's a class that teaches us basically about different cultures, all the isms, racism, sexism, transphobia, all the things, so that we just have a different lens walking in as therapists. But this man was um, talking about the feelings of of unsafety that were alive and well within him. And she basically got him down to, well, how how do people know that you're Jewish? And he said, I I don't know how to answer that. But what comes up for me when you say that is, let me show me your papers. And like, he did not live in Germany during the Holocaust, but his family did. And the lineage that he comes from and the epigenetics that he is embodying remembers. Yes, it does. Absolutely. It's deep in there. It exists in there and it gets touched and awakened. And it feels like it's happening right now when Mm -hmm. it's in the body and hasn't been able to move through in a good way. Yes. Wow. Thank you so much for that. Um, speaking of nervous system, I mean, I, I know personally from years as a yoga teacher or breath work, um, you know, our nervous system is such a potent and powerful tool for healing. I mean, when our nervous system is activated, everything from our peripheral vision gets narrow or we can't even hear. (laughs) It's like everything starts to shut down. And so much of what you do is about getting us to a state of embodiment, um, getting us into our body, right? That's the the soma, the somatics piece. How do you practice A, getting into your body and B, getting into your body safely, calming the nervous system? How, for people who are new to this, like how can they get on that train? Hmm. Yeah, well, there's so many ways. Um, and on one hand, it's, it's simple. And on the other hand, it's a really slow and steady journey because there's a lot of things we'd want to take a look at and get in relationship with. Mm. Um, so a simple answer is every day, my first thing is to wake up to my body and to turn my attention to the energy inside of myself and to say hello Mm -hmm. hello. and to come into a welcoming of myself our knee-jerk reaction is to ignore ourselves usually um, or try and change ourselves we've been rather conditioned um, you know Brene Brown does such a good job of helping us understand that we're in a shame-based culture Mm -hmm. which means essentially we've um, bought the idea that we're broken and we would need to change ourselves to not be broken or to be good. Uh, and so there's kind of this hard wiring of that, mm. which means that we're always trying to change ourselves, which is like this subtle act of aggression. 
And that doesn't feel good. And that would make anyone's nervous system not feel good. Mm. So the first step is remembering you have a body and that inside of your body is the energy that's you. And I call it your life force or I call it your spirit. And I, I, I turn, turn towards it. I say hello. I spend some time checking in with how I am. I found for myself, I do need a physical practice. When I first started this work, I was in my 20s and I was working with really, really severe depression. Mm-hmm. And I actually had no idea why at that point, but it was very severe. And at that point, I found if I did a somatic yoga practice once a day, I went from depressed, unable to focus my attention, uh, kind of eclipsed mm. by sadness. Mm. I could go from that just by focusing on my body, my breath, and kind of a welcoming of the sensations as I brought breath into my body and moved in a one hour yoga practice on the other side, I felt connected. Mm. I felt present and I was able to show up for myself in my life. Mm. So a daily, a daily practice, but you know, um, I really like a quote that Joseph Campbell says, he says, and this isn't verbatim, but uh, along the lines of find something that connects you with yourself and do it again and again and again and call it a spiritual practice. Hmm. And, you know, so I think that's, that's a really simple way to express it. And it may change from a day to day to day. One day it might be playing the guitar and one day it might be instead of getting on your phone and getting straight into problems, or into your to-do list take off your shoes and go walk outside for a bit Mm. it might be going to the refrigerator and getting nourishing food that you got from the market or the farmer's market (laughs) right that's not packaged and cutting it and Mm. taking your time making yourself a nourishing meal all of these things are deeply grounding to the nervous system it's tuning into our own needs. It's spending some time to go slow and connect with ourselves, connect with these base level of needs. And when we do that, while giving ourselves gentle, caring attention, it really helps land us into a deeper place. This of slow is i mean we live in a capitalist society like it's devalued here at least in the united states mm-hmm. um you go to other countries and it's pedestalized in certain ways right like you go to italy and instead of it being a 10 minute meal it's a 4 hour dinner you know like they know what's up yeah <laughs> you know yeah. How, how for people who are like i don't have time what do you say to those people? Like, what do we, what do we do to, to stretch it out? Um, well, the reality is, do you like how you feel? 
Are you into how you feel? Are you into how you feel about yourself? Are you into the way that your shoulders feel? The that your mind is moving at the quality of your connection with the food that you're eating, the quality of the connection with the people that you're with, mm. the quality of connection with your livelihood. Mm. Do you like how you feel? And if not, well, then things might need to shift. Mm. And uh, for, for some people, it, it is a reality. I don't have time. Well, then we take a look at it and say, what can go? What can go? Mm. Is not actually serving your peace and your joy. And so much of this is about dreaming into something better because mm. culture, in my perspective, isn't really handing us a recipe or even a dream about something that includes calm, open nervous systems, safety, and well-being mm. for all. Mm. It's, it's more that we're dreaming into productivity. And productivity isn't bad. Evolution isn't bad. Um, creating new systems, so wonderful. But when it's at the cost of well-being, I question it. Mm. You know, so I think that step one of that is uh, dreaming into how we'd love to feel and allowing how we'd love to feel to then go backwards and start creating a possibility of shifting things because because mm -hmm. we're going to have to let go of some things and then bring in some new practices in order to create a different outcome. Mm. Yes, please. You talk about archetypes mm -hmm. and we just did some Jungian work in mm -hmm. um in my psychodynamic theory class mm -hmm. um but I would love to hear mm -hmm. um how you use archetypes and how that how that's alive in you and mm -hmm. how we can mm -hmm. yeah okay gosh how to start about archetypes break it down baby break it down well, <clears throat> I think I'll start with um, for me, I was handed like, you know, those Crayola boxes, like there's the small ones that have like 12 colors or there's the large one that has like 84 and then there's the even bigger one that has like 136. Don't quote me on those numbers, but <laughs> I think you're actually accurate. <laughs> 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 um, I I feel like I was handed the small box there were like 12 options of what a person was and what a person could be and mm -hmm. actually here go to school and change yourself so that you fit into what you should be and that's really limiting and not at all like how the universe actually is in my experience much to my relief actually uh, there's so many different ways that this universe creates and we can look at nature to find those examples. It is so profoundly varied, like different parts of the planet have entirely different ecosystems and those entirely different ecosystems have different flavors 
have different temperatures, climates, energies, animals, plant life. Mm. It's so varied. And so is the human possibility. We are just as varied. And uh, so you can think to begin um, considering archetypes, think of nature. Mm. Uh, we could call, um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be uh, base about it for a moment, but like we could call the sun an archetype. We could call Brazilian energy an archetype. Mm. We could call oak tree an archetype. We could oh. call hummingbird and tree frog, right? Now a tree frog wouldn't be better off to fly. Right. If it's looking outside of itself to figure out how to be, it'd be really screwed if it's looking at a bird. Right. It's not that it's not going to it's not going to run like that. Mm -hmm. So archetype, that word, what it it's referring to are universal streams of energy. Mm. And um, in the understanding of archetypal psychology, we understand that everything is made up of these building blocks of life which are made up of streams of energy. And uh, each of us have different archetypal blueprints that run in us. And they express themselves in our body as sensation, as emotion. Our senses are actually able to listen to respond and embody the archetypal energies that move through us. Mm. And every single person is different with the ingredients that they're made of. When we're taught in a culture, be this, 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 or this, we're not taught who are you, what's inside, mm. what, you on what inspires you right we're told these are the things that would be a good job at least that's what I was told I don't sure. know I don't know what you were told but I definitely was I was raised I was born in 78 in the midwest and that's what I was handed mm -hmm. and um as I emerged in my life, I found myself in deep depression. And when I said I didn't know what caused it, a lot of it was that I was handed crayons that weren't me. And so I went about trying to change myself and trying to change myself just took me further and further from myself. And thank goodness my body speaks. And so it said, I'm sad. <laughs> sad. <Yeah. laughs> that's not me and it took me a while until I could hear its language accurately that it wasn't saying I'm sad I suck it was saying I'm sad what about me and in time I was able to develop a relationship of really listening to what my body wanted and what actually inspired it and what actually turned it on and what actually brought excitement and as I did that, I then could engage in things that aligned with me. Mm. And then things that I was studying and educating myself were bringing me in, were bringing me great joy, mm. were bringing me fulfillment. Mm. And uh, so archetypes 
are things that exist in us. Mm. Now, I would pose that we actually have inside of ourselves all of the elements of the universe. We're made of all of the same elements, while also um, I personally don't have a lot of engineer in like my archetypal wheelhouse, same. right? <laughs> I don't have a lot of that one. Mm -hmm. and it's not better or worse. I'm so grateful to get to call an engineer and ask them for their support when I need that. Yeah. I'm so grateful that I have let go of a belief that I needed to be a one person band and I needed to actualize in everything. Mm. Because me trying to actualize as an engineer is a losing game. It's not the best place for me to spend my attention or energy. Like the frog and the hummingbird, man. It's not going to bode well. It's just, no. it's it's not it's not it. It's it's not the way. <laughs> no. Right. So, but you can think of an engineer, and when I say engineer, it means something to you. We can understand um, the way an engineer brain works. It's going to be more linear. It's going to have more of this mathematician and systemized mind. It's mm -hmm. a wonderful mind. My mind is rather mythopoetic. Mm -hmm. I'm super artistic. I'm super intuitive. Mm -hmm. Now I have a high IQ. I have many degrees. I've mm -hmm. studied a lot. I love to study while my area of study where I get really lit and where my brain really optimizes happens to be in the field of psychology and in the field of science when it relates to the physical body and the physiology. Mm -hmm. That's me. That's me. I, I also love to geek out on the cosmos. That really turns me on. And when I put my attention on the things that are my archetypal structure, mm. when I towards it, it turns right back to me. And I've got this wonderful co-creation that happens. And it creates a flow in my life. So to me, when mm. we who we are, and we can come into a concept of archetype, we're able to release an idea of I should be. And we're allowed to welcome a concept of what am I? Mm. And what do I want to do with this beautiful life? Mm. And one more thing I'll say about it. In my experience in my own body, and then as I've worked with thousands of people over my two decades of, of working with people professionally as a healing artist mm. is that when you really truly welcome who you are and you ask what inspires me, what turns me on, the energy that rises in a, us actually wants to give back. Mm. It happens to. It has a quality of service to it. Mm. If we're trying to create from outside of ourselves or some concept of what we should be, it's tiring, it's exhausting. Mm -hmm. We're trying to use ingredients that may not even really exist that largely inside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And then we're actually losing this relay of this life force, this energy that is us, whose quality contains a desire to serve the good of the whole. Okay, so as you were talking, there's like seven ways I want to take this. <laughs> a, I want to geek out on the cosmos, but we'll get there. I really want to hear for a moment about resistance 
even when we are owning it, because like what came up for me was I was like, well, I feel like I embody this archetype and this is like part of who I am, but I still am like, there's still like resistance sometimes in that space. Like I'll try to do something like, okay, this is a very silly thing. This first thing that comes to mind, like, okay, well, I have this like podcaster in me that like loves to interview people and have great conversations, but like, there's a lot of like resistance to like technology and like, you know, all of that stuff. So where does that kind of play in as far as like aligning with archetype? Does does resistance just mean we're like not it or how do we work with that? Um, well, it's not going to be a plus B equals C. So for one person, their resistance could actually, if it continued for a very, very long time, it may be a sign that actually it's not who you are. That is possible. Uh, but there's, there's so many more possibilities also. Um, on one hand, it could be, it, it's exactly the right place for you. Mm-hmm. Exactly where you would need to be. And it's going to bring a lot of being seen to you. And uh, so to me, when I find myself in a good amount of resistance, I'll be asking those questions. Is this my truth? Mm. What's my why? Does mm. it align with who I am and um, my overall intention as a being? And sometimes right away, you'll be like, oh my gosh, wow, I was in an ego trip there for a moment. No, it doesn't at all. And you're like, okay, mm. back to the drawing board, right? Thank you. But if it doesn't align with those things, then I would be getting into relationship with what would I need to be able to do this in a way that really feels safe to me? Mm. In my time as a creator, because uh, I'm a very, very creative person and I do create a lot, I have found this really interesting uh, gratitude to resistance mm. because um, on one hand, I think it's it's similar to gravity where there's there's this gravity on the physical plane of reality where things go actually the rate of time and it's like a slow and steady bloom like the rate of nature mm-hmm. and that's exactly right mm. and uh our mind our ego even our inspiration might be able to feel and see into the final destination but there's a really slow and steady process to get there. And that slow and steady process is important for everyone involved and most of which the person that's creating. Mm. So I'll use myself as an example. Um, When I first started teaching group classes, my mind and my ego, of course, wanted the room to be full of students. And that was going to tell me something about myself, you know, at that back then, um, looking for worth in that or confirmation that I was in the right place or good at what I did or, uh, but actually the way that it happened was it started with small group classes mm-hmm. and I found that my class grew at the rate of my ability to ground mm-hmm. and pain. And Mm. so it grew at my learning curve. It grew 
my nervous system's ability to really, because my prayer, my desire was to actually share true transmission and true healing in the space. And so if that was my intention, reality actually supported me in aligning with that intention where, mm -hmm. oh, well, we can deliver this to three people at a time. Mm -hmm. And then in time, I got more safe in that space. I got more grounded. I was able to track more people. And as that happened, my class grew. And as that happened, mm -hmm. my class grew. And actually my following was led by the reality of my nervous system and it's mm. so that's to say um that's a paradoxical answer but on one hand the resistance that we see in the outer world of us like oh there's not as many people coming as i want or gosh this thing is tricky i have to put more thought and more time into that than i thought that's kind of like outer world resistance. Mm. That's actually helping us slow our roll. Mm. And you get to go, okay, foundation, foundation, foundation. What would I need to do to make this really sound? Mm. What would I need to do to create this at the quality I really want to create it at? Those foundation mm. things are so wonderful. Mm. And then the parts that are our own personal resistance, which is like, oh, I've done all that stuff, but I, I like still can't call the person to invite them to do the podcast or that sort of resistance. Uh, that, in my experience, when you've already done the work to notice, does this truly align with me, has more to do with an inner conversation of how does it feel to be seen? Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. would you need? Feel safe being seen um which brings me to our transgenerational conversation that we started with mm. that uh for me i on one hand was bullied a lot as a child and so to be seen in a group forum felt terrifying mm. felt really terrifying and so my inner being, while I'm an extrovert and I feel very comfortable in big groups, for me to bring my own unique voice in a group brought up unique amounts of terror for me. So in order to do it, I had to get in relationship with a young part of myself that had been hurt. And mm -hmm. I had to be present with that. And so that was a part of the resistance for me was getting really present with what that was. And then furthermore, there was another piece of resistance that I got present to on my own journey, which was that some of what I do as a being is I help people differentiate from the collective. I help people let go of the conditioning that society mm -hmm. offered them. Mm. And so I had to get strong enough and grounded in myself enough to be able to say, I believe in this and I stand for it, even if it triggers you. And that took a lot of self-development for myself. So my resistance was actually something in my system that was like, we got to go slow so that we can get strong and grounded yeah. so we don't have to close the moment we open so that we can have the strength 
to weather whatever needs to come back in order to bring these teachings to the public. That's huge. That's so huge. Um, just thinking about people who, you know, I call it like my inner ding, like my, like my compass, my yes, my whatever. Yeah. People who don't necessarily know how to like differentiate or just how to like hear it and listen to the nobility of their body. What would you, what would you say to them and how can they maybe start to access that? Yeah. Well, I think first just being told that there is one, um, I think is a great step. And, uh, I think the next step is to start getting in relationship with positive sensations in the body. Mm. I think that's a really good first step because uh, that inner voice, like you call it an inner ding, right? It, it comes as sensation. It kind of comes as like a, there might be an inner sound, there might be an inner sensation. We would have to be able to be comfortable with feeling ourselves, and so many of us because we haven't been in relationship with our body we based on a fast-paced society based on transgenerational trauma based on circumstances that may have not been safe earlier in life we have learned to check out of our body and when we check out of our body for quite a long time when we turn towards it it doesn't feel very good our body is kind of like what's going on and it's like I'm gonna stay out of there (laughs) right so a wonderful way to get in which let me just give a little spoiler alert that that original terror doesn't last long Uh, it it, it, we actually if we can learn to welcome those sensations the, the first start the first fear um the first language of the body that usually includes why have you been ignoring me? <laughs> right? <laughs> if we can get in relationship with those conversations, it yeah. calms down pretty fast to a degree where we can work with it. Uh, but a wonderful bridge is positive sensation. You know, so like a, 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 yeah. a, a great way to find that is what's something you love? What's something you love? It could be seeing live music and and it doesn't matter who it is you know it could be classical music or it could be lady gaga whatever actually brings you joy let yourself notice what's happening in your body when you're doing this thing you love uh, maybe it's connecting with your child maybe it's taking your dog on a walk maybe it's watching the sunset you could be one of those people where it's cleaning your house and if so, call me. <laughs> I'm a little bit that person, actually. <laughs> like, uh, amen. And that's amazing. And that's not my joy. But um, but it could be. And, and truly, and there's positive sensations that are happening. And if you can turn towards those sensations and just practice sending your breath into them and letting yourself be present with what it feels like, to straighten your desk or to watch that sunset 
or to listen to that music concert. It's going to help get you back into your body and help you remember, this is a safe place. This is a place that can feel good. And those are sensations. You're, you're feeling the warmth, you're feeling the tingle, you're feeling the dancing. And actually that small, still voice, that inner ding comes from that same place. And so that'll start tethering you to the place that comes from. That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, we all have patterns, mm -hmm. some patterns we love, some patterns um, you know, I was just facilitating a, an experience for a small group a couple of days ago, a medicine experience. And, um, there was, there were a few people that were really working through their patterns. And one in particular who just was like, I'm so tired of this, like get this thing all Like she just has, she's just stuck. She's stuck in some food behavior she's stuck in some stuff for people who have patterns that they are wanting to throw out faster than I don't know I don't even know what what do we do what do we do to move these things hmm. well um first of all I would suggest recognizing what the pattern is doing for you because there's something it's serving mm. you know and you mentioned um with this woman it was a food thing and i did deal with eating disorder earlier in my life and that was a hard one to let go of and i deeply understand wanting it to be done because it was deeply ruining my life and it did i, I needed that to shift uh, but trying to make it shift or trying to do it fast didn't help. Uh, and, you know, and so what I do recommend is getting in relationship to what it's serving. And for me, what it was doing was helping me soothe pain that I was out of relationship with. I was soothing it through controlling my eating and giving myself this endorphin high through being skinny. And anytime I would try and take that away, the pain would get so high that then it would get greater. So what I had to do was get in relationship with what it was serving. It was serving to numb that pain. And the next step is to learn to get in relationship with the pain to start to be with the pain in a good way because it's called a coping mechanism, right? That eating problem, that pattern was a coping mechanism and I was coping with something and it helped me know I was coping with something because I actually didn't even know. Totally. So when we have these patterns that are our coping mechanisms that are things that are actually not bringing us the quality of life that we want, Hopefully it, it can bring on some curiosity and say, what is this serving? And then go under it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, what is the coping around? And then start to bring connection and resource to the original thing underneath it all. And 
in my experience, what happened for me and what happens for clients again and again and again and again and again and again and again, when that original need is met in a good way, the coping mechanism falls away. But those repetitive patterns, it's just like you can hear it as a cry for help. Yeah. Yeah. Another thing we have in common. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you dealt with that? Oh, yeah, for sure. For a long time. And yeah, that was my, that was definitely my experience. And it kept me from so much pain and also really, you know, keeping me figuratively and literally small didn't suck in the musical theater world. And so that was kind of fed daily by a, um, an industry that applauded that as well. So it was, it was internally nourishing quote unquote, and also validated, um, validated undoubtedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's really, um, it's easy in in our society it, it it's kind of like taught as correct like right you know, w- women at least in in our generation um were handed like be skinny and pretty and that's what you would need to be in right. order to be partnered and then everything's fine yeah there were there were these mythologies at that time and um I think things have really changed by now. You know, I have an 18 year old and it was amazing to watch her emerge and that the messaging is so different. She actually is really naturally thin and she'd be like, I really wish my butt were bigger. (laughs) Wow. Changed, you know, not that I'm amazing. Another way to be aggressive to (laughs) her body. Right. Um, it's just beautiful that so many different sh- shapes and sizes are are welcome now at this time. Mm. Uh, but yeah, um, especially in the industries we we held through it, not only society, but in in those industries, it was definitely celebrated to look a certain way. And it can really make the conditioning thick. It can be mm. hard to break out of that bubble. Totally, totally. Cause it's coming from all angles. It's like, it's not just inside. It's like legitimately outside too. And, um, for people who it's like, I can hear, hear my audience asking questions as you speak, mm-hmm. like for you talked about like leaning into the pain and, and like, I'm, I'm in the full awareness that like, I personally have survived 100% of the sensations I've allowed myself to feel mm-hmm. like that's a fucking great average. Like that's good job good job. You're here. I'm here or here. Like we did it. But for people who are like, well, I don't want to feel that like it's too much. What do, Mm -hmm. what do you say to them? I say a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, one thing I'll say is we don't get to choose. Um, if we say no to sensation, we say no to sensation. And so if we're saying no to negative sensation, we're equally saying no to positive sensation. And that's just true. We don't get to let that land, motherfuckers. Let that shit land. Let that land. land. So if you want more joy, the, the paradoxical reality of change is we just have to be with some of the tender things we went through because we did. And our body remembers it's alive and well in there. 
it's procrastination is what it is. And, you know, a metaphor I make that is true. This is true. Emotions in our body are like weather on the planet. And if the planet started withholding storms, the crops would cease to grow. Yeah. And that is what happens in our body. We face the things we face. We did face those things and our body was there. And if we dissociate from it, we're just packing it in and it's actually still there. And when like emotion and like energy happens in our life in the right now moment, it touches and awakens the feelings that we didn't feel through that we basically paused and it just accumulates and it builds a charge. And that's why, and we've all had it happen. Like somebody says something and maybe on a scale from one to 10, it's like a two in terms of a trigger, but we act like it's a 35 right. and it's like <laughs> five and we've, we're, we're acting like a crazy person. Right. <laughs> because we have this accumulation of stuff we didn't feel through. Right. So what I encourage people to do is can we suffer to change it instead of suffer to maintain it? Mm. And and the good news is a feeling and 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 I'm going to I'm going to say everybody listen like hug in close to feel a feeling fully through only takes 90 seconds this is a neurobiological reality now you and your audience may say well girl I've been feeling this to despair for the last 17 years, for the last two years, or since that one breakup. So that's not true. But that's actually because we're pressing it down. Right. And we're staying out of our body. Now, I'm not going to tell you that there aren't a number of waves queued up mm-hmm. of 90 second feelings. Now, mm-hmm. there's a good amount of waves. That's not untrue. But just like that metaphor of the planet and the weather, when it rains, crops grow. That's our energy, that it's our turbine for energy. If we repress those feelings down, you are slowly and steadily cutting yourself off of a regenerative aspect of your nervous system and endocrine system. Uh, why we end up getting sick. This is why we end up getting dry. This is why we end up getting tired. This is why we get we lose touch with our orgasm. This is why we end up having relationships that can't actually feel safe or touch the spot. Uh, So there's actually no benefit to not feeling it all the way through. I mean, it's kind of like a child in school when they procrastinate their homework. Now you can procrastinate it and maybe there's a benefit. I don't want to feel that right now because I'm at a birthday party and I want to hang out with my friends. Right. right? But just like in in school, at some point you got to do that homework. Right. And and you got to do that. I'd like people to think of it that way. Mm. We do need to feel it through. We do want to set up the conditions. And if we haven't been feeling certain things through or lots of things through or big traumas through or big transgenerational traumas, we would be well suited to hire an ally to hold the space so that we actually can move it through in a good way. And what's true is when there's a large accumulation or it's some of these big T traumas that actually are huge circumstances or um, 
disturbed family systems or transgenerational traumas, our body is so smart that it actually won't move it through unless there's a safe other grounding the space. Mm -hmm. So some of us have tried and it didn't work. And that's not because you're bad and wrong or you didn't do it. It's actually a neurobiological reality. Our brain actually is benefited by somebody with a healthy nervous system grounding the space. And then our body is actually able to unwind certain unsafeties. So on one hand, get excited about how you want to feel. Do you want to have more energy? Would you like to dream into a possibility of letting go of those certain medications that you've started collecting through time because we've bought a a mythology that we just slowly and steadily get more and more sick, right? Uh, Do you want to be able to feel joy and connection as you walk around the world and in your relationships? Would it be awesome if when you ate your food, it like felt like a symphony of sensation in your Mm. mouth. There's so much more aliveness that's available. Mm. You just gave us such a good gift. I I'm looking, it's already been an hour, but I have one more question for you. Are you okay with that? Having fun. Okay, good. We do. Okay. So rage is all the rage. And I find particularly I have a lot of clients who are women who are like, I don't, I don't know how to move this. That's part of why they come. They're like, I don't know. It's it's like stuck here or it's stuck here. Yeah. How can you give us something to like work with anger? Mm -hmm. Cause I, I think it's like one of these things that people think is really bad. And I, I often equate it to like a fire. I'm like, you don't want it to burn your fucking house down. Like keep it in the fireplace, like give it a place to burn, but just don't let it take you down. Yes. Well, that's a great, that's a great metaphor, um, which I always love your metaphors, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's a great metaphor. And, you know, a, a good amount of my spiritual practice is actually, closing the door to my healing room and I've got a big sheepskin and I've got a bunch of pillows in there. Yeah. And I have a plastic bat. Fuck yeah. Right. Because <laughs> in order to express it in, in a fireplace in a good way. Right. Uh, because part of the reason on one hand, we've been conditioned outside of anger. We've been conditioned. Uh, you mentioned women that girls don't get angry. Also, we have a lot of examples of anger used in really unsafe ways. Some of us in our family homes, all of us living in the world on the planet right now, there's a lot of negative examples of the way that anger is used. So we're kind of taught anger is not the way however, anger or rage, right? Um, But there's healthy ways to work with it. And then there's unhealthy ways. And uh, another piece that I want to name before I go into hows is that, so on one hand, we've been conditioned out of it. Mm. And because we've been conditioned out of it, and I actually remember my dad would rage a lot. I remember as like about a five-year-old going, that's not wise. Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to be loving instead. And so I, I actually very much shut the door to anger, Mm. which did contribute to depression, depression later on. Mm. 
because anger is a natural sensation that comes over us when our boundary has been crossed. That's one of the ways our body tells us our body has been crossed. Mm. We want to allow ourselves to feel it. And when we feel it, what comes on is a consciousness that knows how to honor our boundaries. Mm. So it's imperative. It's an alchemical thing, life. Mm. There's always a conversation that's going on and it's an evolutionary conversation. When experiences happen, they touch and awaken things in us. And if we can be with them, they evolve our being in good ways. However, based on being conditioned in the way that we have, we've repressed anger after anger after anger. And so it feels like a powder keg, mm. right? So if you're like, okay, I'm getting empowered with my anger and you're like, when your one friend crosses your boundary again, it's like a two on a scale from one to 10. Right. Suddenly go 76. Doesn't go well. Nope. That's not gonna go well. She's going to be like, you're crazy, right? It's it's not going to go well. And you can feel that. So we yeah. press down even more. Yeah. Right? So uh, this brings me again to that beautiful metaphor of yours. Create a fireplace for yourself. Create a practice, um, create a practice space, a safe space where you can go and unleash your anger, allow yourself. And when I go into anger practice, I allow myself to be spiritually incorrect. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You have to actually just let it have itself. And a lot of us are existing in the reality of we've got a, on a scale from one to 10 is 76. And so you may need to go into the sanctuary of your own practice. You may need to pound your fists using sound, using movement, making a commitment to yourself. I'm not going to hurt the room. I'm not going to hurt myself, but I'm going to let this out. You allow yourself to say the things mm. you're allowed to pound the fists. And, and the reason you allow yourself to be, you know, spiritually off the mark is because when it is a 76, um, it's going to be bigger than it actually is. But in actually to allow yourself to feel it through fully, you can't be in there trying to edit or audit. Mm. You, have to you have to let the big flame rise and let it move through your system. Um so for me, like, let's say uh, with that hypothetical example, a friend did something that crossed a boundary. It's actually a two. If I go into my practice room and I allow myself to feel it, how I might feel is relationships over. Right. Again. My gosh, what a jerk. So selfish. I can't even believe it. Now, the anger is actually catching all of the boundary crosses I've ever had my whole lifetime. Yeah. She's getting ascribed with. Boundary crosses that aren't even hers. Yep. Trying to do the math accurately, I'm not going to let the big rage happen. So in, I close that door, that door of my healing room, of my practice room is a boundary where I let it really rise up. And what I've learned is I let that fire burn. I let it burn. I might start being angry at the friend and then suddenly I'm angry at another friend. And then suddenly I'm angry at my dad and then uh-huh. angry at the man. And so, you know, <laughs> And it's like moving through all of these unexpressed Mm. angers and then it tends to go to crying Mm. and then suddenly I'm, I'm sobbing. And then usually there's a layer of anger at myself where Mm. I really heard myself and I've turned away from myself in certain ways. 
And then what comes next is the growing of the crops. Mm -hmm. So that was a big thundery storm. And what comes next is relief and forgiveness of self, understanding of other, compassion. It tends to come with awareness of places I've crossed other people's boundaries in similar ways. And then I land and I go, and my inner body has space. And all of a sudden, the two with that friend is a two. And I'm able to go, okay, what would I need to share with this friend? And it then it, the conversation sounds like, you know, when, when we made those plans and uh, you broke them last minute, I felt really bummed. And I, I didn't make plans with someone else. And that night was really important to me. And mm -hmm. that really hurt. And it, and it like, it, it had me wonder if I can trust you, right? It just becomes a right size conversation. And so the ouch is in there. The anger, it, it gets to exist, but it's not a 76. If I go with 76, I'm going to burn down that relationship. And so if we don't have the how to unpack it in a good way, we keep repressing it because we don't want to burn that stuff down or it comes out sideways and we burn it down another way, right? Bingo. Right. And so we create a space for it. And in time, you get pretty current. So I've unpacked a good amount of my past boundary crosses. So by now, I'm I'm pretty able to be present with anger in the space. And I can go, ouch, oof, that, that doesn't feel good. And, and I can actually have a dialogue in, in present time with a person. But I gave myself the right to need to bring it into my own self-practice for a while so I could unpack it and really let the storm happen and not need to audit or edit. Okay, so everyone's going to run to Amazon right now and buy a fucking plastic baseball bat <laughs> with the squishy thing and yeah. go ham. Hey, it's really fun where your meditation cushion yes. can also moonlight uh, as the pillow you beat with the bat. As the rage pillow. As the rage pillow. <laughs> In service of love. And, and and I just want to say what's rad is if we're bypassing anger, which comes when our boundary is crossed, what literally happens is our energetic boundary collapses and we stop being able to feel the boundary cross. And that's what leads to us being codependent. And that's what mm. leads to us like somebody does something mean and suddenly something comes over us that's like, can I buy you a present? What would I need to do to make you nice, Right. Um, but when we allow ourselves to feel the anger, we actually end up with an energetic boundary that can feel the cross and that can then easily advocate for ourselves. It's alchemical. It's energetic. It's rad. It's so rad. And you are so rad. You just gave us so many gifts. I am a it's a big inner ding for me. Um, <laughs> big inner ding. I I would love for you to share with us where we can connect to you, where we can do your trainings, where we can find your wisdom, how we can take class from you, how we can tr not train with you, but be supported by you. Tell us everything so we can give you a give you an email or a call or a 
connection on Instagram. Thanks, darling. Um, and you actually can train with me because that's the healer training. It does, it does do the training. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, I've created what's what I call alchemy somatics. Um, and so it's a system and then it's also a community. So it's through alchemy somatics that uh, we do the self-healing program and the healing healer training. There's also an advanced healer training uh, and um, almost it's so close. We're just uh, still uh, finishing to work out the technology piece. Uh, there's uh, through Alchemy Somatics, we're launching Embodied Awakening, which is a daily practice platform where, uh, you know, this is our third year where I'm training people in Alchemy Somatics and the healer training. And many of those teachers will be teaching. And so there'll be two to three, sometimes four classes live daily of somatic practices, embodiment practices, meditations, yoga, breath work, um, shamanic meditations, and that kind of inner journey work that will be available in live. And then there's going to be a library also where you can go and uh, take many of the workshops and classes that I've taught over the last many years. There'll be hundreds of saved things in the library. And then all of the classes that the teachers teach will end up being uploaded to the library. So we just keep on loading and connecting. And, you know, our intention is really to start this inner revolution where we all, for me, I had to personally to walk my nervous system from deep suicidal depression mm. into thriving health, confidence, and well-being because I needed a daily practice. Mm. But got depression or you have major anxiety or PTSD or CPTSD, hmm. a daily practice is almost impossible. Yeah. Unless somebody is holding you in it. And so um totally. that's birth of this practice platform. So yeah, you can find me at Alchemy Somatics and Embodied Awakening is coming soon. Hmm. Uh and yeah, there's just so many opportunities there to join the tribe and join a tribe and mm. whether it's this tribe or another one, I just want that community feel for people uh, that it's possible and to dream into really, really feeling safe and supported and dreaming into healthy nervous systems and mm. really uh, a lived experience that feels like uh, overflow in an overflow of connection and energy as opposed to an overflow of to-dos. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you for turning your mess into a really good message. <laughs> I love that. That was a good turn of phrase. Gotcha, baby. It, <laughs> yeah, girl. Truly. Thank you for your wisdom and more soon, please. Yeah. Same darling. So good awesome. to see you. Me too. Um, so let's plan our sleepover. <laughs> sleepover. Yeah, I'm texting you. We got this. Sleepover is happening. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for being here, taking the time out of your day to connect, to get altered. What a gift. If you liked this episode, please do share it. Share it with someone who could benefit from it. Share it on social media. We need to have these conversations. We need to have free content that we can integrate into our lives. So 
share it. It would mean so much to me and it will probably mean something to whoever you share it with. Uh, Again, if you haven't already, please do leave us a five-star review and a written review wherever you listen to this podcast. It will help us so much and you're the best. Thanks so much.